that, that, that God's objective for our lives is not limited to a service on Sunday. I'm thankful that God's objective in our lives is not limited to a resurrection service on Easter, although I'm grateful for those things. I'm thankful that God's will for my life is not limited to me being resurrected from death, but it is for me to be resurrected to life. In fact, encountering Jesus is not just a, a, a weekly opportunity, it's an everyday every moment opportunity. That is what God's will is. And see, I, what I have found over the years is that we as a church, we as the body of Christ, the people of God, we have become really good at having emotional experiences, but not great at applying those emotional experiences to our lives after that moment. We have become really good at seeking God for an emotional experience, we have not become so great at living from that emotional experience. And so we have a bunch of emotional experiences that we can't understand. So we have a seven-year-old, like myself, that received salvation and got water baptized because I had a moment, had emotional experience. But then I didn't go on to continue to really study God's Word and significantly apply it to my life. And that's not my parents' fault. It's not my grandparents' fault. Thankful that they planted the seeds and watered the seed, and they were there for me to talk to. At nine years old, guess what? I did it again. <laughs> Sixteen years old, I got saved again. At 19 years old, I did it one more time. Until I was 21 years old, where I decided, you know what? This time for real. I'm going to get saved for real this time. I was water baptized again, baptized in the Holy Spirit at 19. Land like, lived like the biggest pagan in the world. I mean, I, I agreed with Jesus, but if he'd have called me home, I'd have bust the gates of hell wide open. I'd have been the wrecking ball at the front gate. That's what would have happened to me. So I had all these emotional experiences. The problem is I had experiences and I had emotion, but I didn't have that obedience to apply. And so we've got to learn to live outside. Listen, I'm thankful for the moment when God takes my past and gives it purpose. The moment where he takes my brokenness and makes it beautiful. The moment where he takes my dysfunction and gives me destiny. But listen, he does not want to designate that to one service a week or even two services a week. He wants that to be a daily walk that causes you to become like Jesus every day. I believe that takes place through his word. See, the problem is that we live in a culture where we have more access to the God's Word than we have ever had before, and yet we are still the most biblically illiterate culture that has ever existed on the face of the earth. And we want to do something about biblical illiteracy. Well, I'm not talking about you can't read the Bible. I'm saying, as a culture, we don't. We don't take the time to engage in God's Word, so we have an even harder time, hear me, applying his word because it's hard enough to apply this thing without with and being engaged in it it's virtually impossible to apply god's word when we're not engaged in it but listen i, I have some really good news today just because we have not been engaged doesn't mean that god's word has lost lost its impact see last week we honed in on this god's word god's word for us, these 66 books, and if you want to discuss that outside of this sanctuary, we can, but I could stand on it and provide you several sources if I wanted to. Genesis to Malachi, Matthew to Revelation. We stand on the completed Word of God. 
And we have access to not only that, but deuterocanonical books. We have access to theological dissertations from the deuterocanonical and from the primarily canonical. We have breakdowns and devotionals, and we have all this access, and yet for some reason we're still not engaged. And I believe that we are the generation that the scripture speaks of when it says this generation, we will not be, we will be without excuse whenever we stand before God. Because we have, in, we have access and God's word still has impact. Let me show you the picture that I didn't email to our team last week that I meant to. It's from backtothebible.org. Backtothebible.org um, did a survey of over 200,000 people. And in that survey, they found, remember, our objective is that you would read the Bible every day. Hey, by the way, don't start in the book of Lamentations. Um, if, if you are not currently um, wed in matrimony to a member of the opposite sex, um, it probably would not behoove you to just take off reading in Song of Solomon. Just, just you can explain that to your children later if you'd like to. It's not probably the greatest place to go. Um, but there are 31 Proverbs, and there are 31 days in most months. Um, if you read the Old Testament, let's for, say, for instance, you're going to read Leviticus, why don't you partner it with the book of Hebrews? Um, if you're going to read the book of Exodus, hey, flip over and, and, and let's direct the one that deliverance is all headed towards, which is in the book of John. We see the one that God was going to send to fulfill and save and set free and redeem and repurpose all of the same. If you read some of the Old Testament, pick a book in the New Testament to go along with. It's just practical. It's just practical advice. Don't get hung up and, oh, that doesn't make sense. Because when you get hung up, you have a tendency to give up. And we just want to help you. Because there's plenty of things out there that can help you read the Bible every single day. We actually have a devotional. I skipped it, so I'm going to need help from our team here. This is the devotional for the week. I'll come right back to this. It's called Whisper. How to Hear the Voice of God by uh, actually an Assembly of God pastor in uh, Washington, D.C., National Community Church, Pastor Mark Batterson. He, he writes a lot, one of my favorite authors. I've read so many of his stuff, so, much, so many of his stuff. Man, I have been in Cajun country too long. Uh, I've read so many of his books that I, I've moved on because they, they tend to, he tends to, you just hear his tone and his, the way that he energizes and inspires but I'm excited about this one. We're going to give you, again, this is a deal you will not get anywhere else. We're going to give you seven days to complete a five-day Bible study. How good is that? Isn't that? That's just God. That's just what he does. He leads us to do. And actually, it's not even going to take you like five to seven minutes. You can go to YouVersionBible.com um, or download the YouVersion app. You can, you can search for this. This is the plan we're going to read for the next seven days. Yeah, it's only a five-day plan. It's a really good deal. It helps people like me who get distracted and travel, and I'm trying to study other things and read other things. And, uh, and so this morning at, at, at 6 o'clock, I read, yeah, it was almost 6, I read the final day of last week's Bible study. Isn't that good? Like, I got it done just in time because I didn't want to come in here and lie to y'all this morning. So I remembered and I read it, and it didn't take very long. But the objective is, again, to read the Bible every day, whether you read it through an app or you read, it, or you read it through uh, God's analog version, you know, if you light it up on, if you light it up on an, on a, on an iPad or, or iPhone, or if you open it when it's bound by leather, it, it still has the same impact. And so when you do that four days a week, throw that back up there for me, 
they found in this survey of over 200,000 people that you become over 220% more likely to share your faith. You know what a travesty in our nation is that we have all these people that claim to be believers, but nobody's sharing the gospel. That 90% of the people that say that they believe in the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ as the Son of God that came down and gave it all for us, 90% of those people have never, never led anyone else to Him. But the reason that we're not sharing it is because we don't know it. The reason we're not able to give it away is because we're not spending time in it. You can't give what you don't have. You can't share what you don't know. But when you get in God's word, just four days a week, and our objective, again, is seven days, because you're going to miss three. (laughs) I miss them. So the objective is seven and hit four. But when you do that, you're 220% more likely. You're 407% more likely to actually learn it. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. Almost 60% less likely That says specifically to view pornography, but there's other statistics about sex outside of marriage or immorality. Because, listen, you can't can't get God's word in you and continue to do things that his word is fighting against you doing. You just can't when you spend time. You can become callous to his word and the things that you're doing, but not when you're spending time with Jesus. It's just, it it, it impacts you too much. And then finally, I like this one. Um... 30% less likely to be lonely when you just read your Bible. You know, and I'm going to show you why here in just a second. I want you to remember that statistic in about five minutes, but I want to keep moving the power of of God's Word. We review Scripture, and we're going to do that this morning with several of these. Why do we review it? Because I believe, this isn't in your notes, but you may want to write this down. I believe we remember what we review. Um... Or what we repeat gets rewarded. Uh, people ask me, man, I wish I could remember scripture like you. I was like, I wish you had to review it like I do. <laughs> like, I wish I could recall it without reviewing it. Come on, somebody. But the reason that we remember, and I have several people in our church, several people that I'm like, man, I wish I could remember scripture like he does. Like, like every scripture I have, he's got three more. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there one day. We, we remember what we review. In fact, I challenge you, if you write 104 sermons in the next 52 weeks, I bet you, you remember more scripture. I'm just saying, it's probably going to happen for you. Well, I don't have time to sit around and write sermons. Fine, then just read. Just read every day for the next 365 days. And I guarantee you, if you won't compare yourself to me or somebody else, you will be a better you. And you will learn and remember more scripture than you currently do. If you just remember one a week, that's 52 a year, 104 in two, in two years. And you'll have 104 scripture at your disposal. See, it's not because we don't have access. It's because we're not engaged, is what I'm trying to say this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen, something can't get on your heart until it goes through your eyes or your ears. Okay? It's got to go through your eyes or your ears in order to get in your heart or on your heart. And again... I want you to notice, it doesn't say, hey, carry your Bible around in your hand. Have a whole lot of scripture sitting on your nightstand. (laughs) Put them all on a bookshelf and point to them. Grab one of them and sleep on it. And through holy osmosis, you're going to receive the word of God. Now listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with, well, I feel like like when I read it, I mean, I try to read the Bible at night and I just fall asleep and then I feel bad. Man, hey, when is the last time a daddy got mad at somebody for falling asleep in his arms? 
When's the last time that a mother got offended because the baby rested in her presence and went to sleep in a peace that he would or she would not have had otherwise? Rest in the Lord. Go to sleep reading your Bible. My Lord, you fall asleep watching stupider stuff. You're like, like I ain't going to, I ain't turning TV on tonight. I don't want to fall asleep watching this. I ain't turning it on. Come to church. Get some rest. Hey, whatever it takes, baby, just get the word in you. That's, that's the point. Get it in you. Get it on your heart. And then, here's what it says, you shall teach them diligently. Listen, we send our kids to school eight hours a day, five days a week, and wonder why they end up more like the world than they are like the, the church. Now, listen, I'm not saying there's anything. My kids go to public school, but I, and I'm going to send them to school next year and the next year and the next year, and they're going to graduate high school in the name of Jesus. <laughs> they might have one leg by the time they get there, but they're going to graduate. <laughs> they're going to go to college if God calls them. God help me, whatever it is. They're going to get degrees. They're going to study. They're going to do continuing education. Because I don't believe that you should ever stop learning. When you stop growing and learning, you begin to die. I believe those things are important. However, I'm not going to let the world invest more in my children than I do. Okay? The world has eight hours a day, five days a week. That means I'm not going to lean on the church for one hour a week to give them what the world has been giving them a whole lot more of. We're going to open this thing up in our house. We're going to talk about it when we're sitting around. We're going to discuss God's Word. And again, I don't, you don't have to have a theology in Scripture. You don't have to have a Bible college degree in order to Google a plan that you can sit down with your family with and discuss. Or that you could, you could discuss with Jesus on your own. When you lay down, when you walk, when you're walking down the road, hey, talk about God's Word. When you lay down at night, when you wake up in the morning, Talk about his word. Verse 8, you shall bind them to your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. I mean, just right there, walking around with the word of God. Because what he's saying is, if you'll look at this the way you're supposed to, you'll stop looking at things you're not supposed to. If you'll look at this the way you are supposed to, you'll quit looking in other ways at other things that you're not even supposed to be fulfilled by. Or you'll look at life and you'll have his perspective because you have his word. We remember what we review. Keep the word in front of you. That's what he's saying. Seven days a week. Remember, the objective is not to preach another good series or another good message that you go, Oh, whoo, you did it today. Whoo, that was the best one. I've heard you preach a lot of them, but that was the best one yet. I don't care about that. If you read your Bible for the next seven days, I just preach the best message I've ever spoken before in my life. That's the objective, is to read the Bible every day. I do care about them. I like to preach, and I like this. It's good. It's fun. It's great. But if you just have an experience, and it doesn't impact you, then why are we here? See, we believe in the impact of God's Word. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. This is in your notes. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 2, He, Jesus, the Word, He, was in the beginning. See, this is why I said that if you'll spend seven days a week in this, maybe miss two or three and still make sure you get four, that if you'll spend time in this word, you're ne- then, then loneliness will decrease by 30%. Because you will realize that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. You are a part of the family of God. He calls you chosen. 
He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you friend. He calls you joint heirs with him. And the word of God says, when you open this thing up, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning, so that's what this means. When you open this thing or turn it on on this thing, whatever you decide to do that gives you access to his word, when you begin to read it, it begins to read you. When you open it up, you don't have to feel anything, sense anything. There's something wrong if you chase your feelings or you follow your feelings. Make your feelings follow your faith. And when your faith don't show up, just be faithful. And then your faith and your feelings will follow your faithfulness to who he is and what he wants to do. Because you are not alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you is what the scripture says. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. You are a part of the family of God and he is with you. And when you open this book, whether you know it or not, he is there in your midst. He's omnipresent. See, I, I can't help but preach. It just comes out that way. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the one only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so in the beginning was the word. Word was with God. The word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning. Jesus became flesh dwelt among us, so when we open the Word, we're literally sitting in the presence of Jesus. It's worth it. I'm just, I'm sitting right there with Jesus. I'm at work, open the Word. Ha ah, what'd you say? You better be careful, because he's sitting here now. <laughs> Not that he wasn't here before, but now I know. Now my perspective is different. When I sit with him, something significant happens. I begin, I be, I begin to be fed in a way that I wasn't being fed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, he's answering, he's answering a, a question, he's answering an accusation. In verse 4, man shall not live. Do you know who he's talking to in this passage? The devil. Manifest in physical form devil. And I ain't talking about no red-tailed, costume-wearing, leotard, skinny pant thing. I'm talking, that ain't the devil. The Bible says the, the devil can come in many forms, even as an angel of light. In other, wor in other words, Joseph Smith could be locked up in a cage, in, in, a, in a cave, and an angel named Moroni could show up in the form of an angel of light and cause confusion to him that would start a religion that doesn't, is, is not alive. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So Jesus is standing in front of probably Lucifer in his best form that he has to offer. And he says, you're not going to get me with your lack of knowledge of God's word. Taking God's word and twisting it into a place that it doesn't go. Because man shall not live according to bread alone, but by every word. Not just some of the words that make you feel better about the way that you're not living. Mm, done went there. But every, every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. So let me ask you this question this morning. When did life become so busy that believers stopped eating? If Jesus is the word and the word is the bread that lasts forever, every word, and we shall not live on bread alone, then why do we eat three or four times a day and yet we only spend time in God's word once or twice a week? When did life become so busy that entertainment became an idol? 
When did life become so busy that academics became an idol? Oh, we may miss church. We ain't missing school. When, When did life become so busy that athletics became an idol? We can't make it this weekend. We can't spend time today. We're tired because we were traveling playing baseball. I played baseball. I got there. I was there. You know what I wanted? To come back home and spend some time with the family of God. That's what I needed the most was the presence of God with the family of God. And in that moment, the only thing that helped me to stand firm in that atmosphere was the little bit of the word that I did have in me at that time. Because we shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. When did life become so busy that we became focused on temporary things and we were willing to negate the eternal things? Why does Jesus become an option when we get too busy? When we start spending too much money on temporary things, why is our tithe and our offerings the first thing to go. When we get too busy on every other thing, we don't turn the TV off. (laughs) When we get too tired, we don't skip work. When did life become so busy that God's people became unwilling to sacrifice in temporary things but willing to take meeting together as the Scripture informs us, reading His Word as the Scripture instructs us, and giving and investing our time, talent, and treasure into His kingdom as the Scripture requires of us. When it all gets too busy, we'll stop giving to missions for the gospel to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But we ain't turning off cable. See, it just just gets heavy because we are in a place, listen to me, as a nation where we're in trouble because we're finding value in the temporary. And there's nothing wrong with having a good weekend. There's nothing wrong with having nice things, working hard, providing for your children. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. You don't have to be miserable so that other people can experience God's joy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, when we make materialism, making money, showing up early for our jobs, when we make those things, athletics, academics, entertainment, and if I didn't hit your list yet, then give it to me after service so I can get 11.15. Whatever it is... (laughs) that we make an idol out of and put in the place of spending time with God. Listen to me. If you're too busy to spend time with God, you are officially busier than God ever intended for you to be, and you better slow down before you burn out. We cannot forsake the more important things just to find fulfillment in the temporary. We need a greater value on the eternal. So this is our final point this morning because I believe that as a a nation we we need more obedience agree Uh, last week I said obedience makes the difference I even quoted James chapter 1 verse 25 that said he who looks into the perfect law of liberty is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word 
If you look into the, into the Scripture, you're not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the Word, then this one shall be blessed in all that he does. And James says, be not a hearer, but a doer. But listen, you can't live by a word that you're not looking at. So if obedience makes the difference, this is our final point this morning, input empowers obedience. It is what you put in that affects what comes out. So what are you putting in? See, hang on. Luke chapter 6, I referred to it last week. It's the parable of the person that builds their house on sinking sand or the person that builds their house on solid rock. And the difference in these two people who were building a house on, so on sinking sand or solid rock was not whether they were hearing the word, but whether they were obeying the word. But how are you going to obey something that you're not listening to? Because hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You can't be faithful to something that you're not looking at, listening to, spending time in. If you haven't heard, if you're not hearing, if you're not listening, if you're not looking, if you're not reading, if you're not studying, if you don't take today and decide, you know what, if I don't get anything else right for the next 40 days, I'm going to read God's Word. If you're not looking at it, you're going to have an even harder time living in it. It's hard enough to live by this thing. When you're looking at it like you're supposed to, you eat once a week, you will starve to death. Why are we satisfied with attending a service and checking that off of our list? Drive through Christianity. You know what happens with drive through Christianity? You get fat, you have a heart attack, and you die early. That's what's happening to the church in America. That's what's happening to this nation because God's people are not in His Word the way that they could be, the way that they should be. We're trying to be obedient to things that we're not putting in. And then we try to cover it in good works, put on a mask, and be different in front of the people that we're supposed to. And then when we go over here, we acclimate ourselves to the atmosphere and we become like whatever it takes to be approved wherever we are. Whoo! That's what happens. That's what happens. But input... Come on, this is good news. All you got to do is spend, if you just spend four days a week, aim for seven, spend four. If you will just spend time in God's Word, it will affect your obedience to His Word. Get it in you, and it'll come out of you. Let me give you an example. Uh, I am not the car guy. I'm not, like, I'll put the oil in the wrong reservoir, and it'll go shooting through my radiator. I'm telling you, I will mess stuff up. If I get if I have something wrong with my vehicle, I FaceTime my daddy. Come on, somebody. That's what I do. I, I, I gotta take it to somebody. I'm I'm just not that guy. Um, you know, it, I I tried to change a change a, a, a spark plug with jumper cables one day. Didn't work out well. Just letting you know. I'm just not the guy. Okay? If if you see me messing with my hood up, something's wrong. Pull over, help me. Okay? If I'm playing with a battery, get your phone out. Because I'm probably about to shoot myself across the parking lot. It's gonna be, this is going to be fun for you to watch. But I did have this idea this week about intake, input. Like, there's, there's something that takes place on a vehicle or a machine when it has the right kind of intake on it. In fact, if you, if you soup up the intake of a car, it will increase the horsepower of the car. Um, <laughs> and people, don't do this. This is not a good, I'm not giving you ideas, okay? I'm, but people, you, you, to get back at people, they put sugar in their gas tank, right? 
because it would, it would mess the whole car up. Because what you put in determines not only what comes out, but how the car runs. But that's not the only thing that they would do. Um, we, they, people used to take a banana and put it in a tailpipe. Right, And you'd stuff those bananas in the tailpipe, and it would cause the exhaust to back back up into the engine, and it would mess up the vehicle. And then <laughs> you can't eat the banana either. It's a terrible thing. So, but listen, here's, here's the point of all that, is you can spend all the time in God's Word you want to. If you don't ever take the time to share it, serve, give, and let it out of you, you become like a vehicle with a banana in the exhaust pipe. It's just going to back up. And then you're going to hoard it to yourself. And Jesus never intended for that to happen. He intended for you to absorb His Word, have experiences, have encounters, and then go out and share it with somebody else. Serve as the body of Christ. Give as a child of God. Share your faith. And, and when I say share your faith, I don't mean walk up to somebody and be like, give them 23 ways they're going to go to hell if they don't get right. That's not what I'm talking about. Tell your story. Tell about what God's doing in you through this body. Tell about what God's doing in you when you're alone with Him. Because people can argue with your scripture, but they can't argue with your story. Listen to me. Church, house, body of Christ. Get the banana out your tailpipe. (laughs) Talk about it when you wake up. Talk about it when you lay down. Sit around and share His Word together. Get it in your heart, then let it back out your mouth. Let me get another example. And again, if I don't know anything about cars, I definitely don't know anything about jets. So I I spent more time on YouTube this week than I should have. And I found this jet that is at the top of most, most lists. And, uh, and our worship team, you guys come on, go ahead and join. Um, so that everybody thinks I'm almost done. And <laughs> we, have, we have this jet, and, and it's at the top of most lists. Uh, you know, obviously China has a, a similar, and Russia has a similar, but this one is at the top, and I picked USA because I am. And so I, I'm picking this jet. Uh, it sounds cool. Listen, it's the, the Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptor. Like, dude, how sick does that sound? Like, I don't even know what that is, but I want to ride in it. <laughs> Martin, I'm sorry, Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptor. All right, in first service, I was like, it goes 340 miles an hour. Wait, that's not right. A commercial jetliner does that. Oh, wait, it's $340 million per unit. Mill is not miles per hour, it's million. <laughs> so my notes. 340 million. Listen, here you go. It costs $70,000 an hour to run it. $70,000 an hour. So every hour... <laughs> <laughs> like if you see one, if you see one driving by, you're like, oh, that is expensive. Seventy thousand dollars an hour to run. It will, it will go not three hundred and forty, but fifteen hundred miles per hour. Fifteen hundred miles per hour. It can travel. This, this is phenomenal. Just catch these numbers. It can travel eighteen hundred and forty miles at 
65, 600,000 feet. That's double most commercial airlines. 1,500 miles an hour for 1,840 hours at 65,600 feet above sea level. So that gives it its stealth. Most people have described it like trying to figure out where this plane is is like trying to find a needle in a haystack because it's going so fast, so high, and it can do it for so long. Wouldn't you like to run and not grow weary? Walk and not grow fast? Wouldn't you like to fly so high, so fast, for so long that the enemy can't even find you to try to keep up? Powerful airplane. But if it doesn't have... Like, if you go down here to College Junction Barges, Mud Bugs, whatever you want to call it today, no idea what y'all are talking about most of the times. Places you refer to that used to be called something. It don't make any sense. Say what's on the sign. Yeah, we go to First Assembly. What? New Hope. Oh. <laughs> uh. If you put 87 ethanol in the most powerful jet in the world, it's not going to run right. It's going to be like only studying science and history all day long for eight hours a week, five days a week, and never getting in God's Word. Not that there's anything wrong with education, because it'll still go. But when you make that an idol, it's not going to go the way it's supposed to. Oh, by the way, if you don't put anything in it, you got a $340 million piece of machinery that's no better than scrap metal that's sitting out in these woods behind the church. But when you put jet fuel inside of that thing, when you put jet fuel inside of that structure, it becomes the most powerful, most hard to detect most impactful that most people have even ever heard of. I want to give you one more illustration. You guys turn out the lights real quick. I'm in the negative. i got to hurry. Most of us, despite last week we ended with this scripture, Psalm 119, 105. Most of us, the Word of God says, it will be a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. That's what the Word of God is. The Word shall be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, black that out. This is what most of us try to take on the darkness with. We're like, where are you, devil? No, you're out here. Who wants some? I spent time in the Word last week. I know it's Friday, but I went to service last Sunday you better stay where you are. I'm going to blind you with the light. Okay? It's, it's what we do. That's funny too. That's... But God's Word says He wants to be a lamp unto your feet. Be careful. Don't look right at this. He wants to be a lamp unto your feet. He wants you to see everything around you, everything behind you. If you'll spend time with him, this is what your life will look like. But hang on, David understood that's not where it stops. He said, 
I'll be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So not only will I show you everything around you, but I'll show you everything in the shadows that's in, around everything around you. I'm not just going to light up your, your, where you're standing. I'm going to light up what's coming. I'm going to show you, what again, what's on the horizon. I am the one that was and is and is to come. I am the Holy Spirit that can reveal this Word, help you remember the things that I've said, and show you things that are yet to pass. I am a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That is what God's Word wants to be in you. Take us back to those altar lights, if you don't mind. Such an incredible team that we have all over the place. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you're not spending time in the Word, then you're not spending time with the one that became flesh and dwelt among us. But listen to me. If you've never given your life to Him to begin with, then He's still waiting to spend time with you. Do you hear me? If you've never given your life to Him, or maybe you did at one time, but you know that you've not been living for Him. Like Jesus isn't your pilot. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be your pilot. He doesn't want to be involved in your life. He wants to be in control of your life. He doesn't want you to agree with Him. He wants you to believe in Him. To put you in Him. He wants you. Because God so loved the world. And that we hear it so often. And this is the one that everybody knows. But we've heard it so many times that we seem to forget the impact of it. That He sent the light that in the beginning he created and he spoke into existence and he said let the people see let there be light he sent his only son that if you would believe in him you don't perish you outlive the temporary and you become more you fly faster further and longer than you even knew you could. If you would bow your head, close your eyes.